Hello, and welcome to the Claremont Bible Fellowship Bible Instruction Time. We now turn you over to our speaker for the day. This time we're going to ask our brother Bill Lumsden to come up and give us the scripture reading for the day. Brother Bill? It'll be Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15, reading from verse 1. Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. The Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. And he spake a parable unto them, saying, What manner, what man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it. And when he hath found it, he layeth upon his shoulders and rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. And I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. This time we ask our brother Buck Matthews to come up and give us the word the Lord has laid on his heart. You can open your Bible to John chapter 10. I know we read Luke chapter 15, but I was just showing you the more stories that Christ could tell about sheep and shepherd. And sheep were the lost sinners who became saved. I am meditating in the book of John lately, and as you heard this morning, the breaking of bread, but uh, I saved this chapter 10 for today. Concerning the shepherd and sheep, many stories uh, he used to teach multitudes and uh, scribes and the Pharisees and the religious groups in the New Testament. And this would be very familiar for them because the actual first shepherd that's mentioned in the scriptures would be in Genesis 4, 2. Um, and Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And then Abraham also is another one, remembering, he's remembered as being one with a lot of flocks of sheep. And one day him and Isaac were heading up the mountaintop, and Isaac asked him a question in Genesis 22 and 7. Behold the fire in the wood. But where's the lamb? That old famous verse of eight, Abraham said, God will provide himself a lamb. Where is the lamb? John the Baptist said in John chapter 1, verse 29, Behold the lamb that taketh away the sin of the world. Where is the lamb? Revelation 
chapter 6, chapter 5, sorry. He's in the midst of the throne. Where's the lamb? Before he became the one sitting at the right hand of the mighty God, he had to become that savior on the cross of Calvary. Genesis 37 speaks of all of Jacob's sons were shepherds. And verse 2 says, Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brethren. Another shepherd that you don't think of being a shepherd is Moses. He kept the flocks of Jethro, his father-in-law, in Exodus chapter 3. And then one of the favorite shepherds, I think, of a lot of people is in 1 Samuel 16, 11, Samuel said to Jesse, are there yet, are, are these all your children? He said, there remaineth yet one, the youngest one, behold, he keeps the sheep. And that was David, the one become the shepherd, king of Israel. Of course, at the birth of Christ, there were the angels inviting the shepherds to come and see this wonderful thing of a savior being born in Bethlehem that day. And they went and saw and believed. Yeah, the subject of shepherds and sheep are very popular in the uh, scriptures. And so you wonder why in chapter 10, they just didn't understand him. They needed an instruction of what Jesus said in John chapter 10. Let's read a couple of verses here. We'll read 11 verses. But early, verily, I say unto you, in John chapter 10, he that entereth not by the door of the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, the sheep hear his voice, and, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, and for they know his voice. And the stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him. And they know not the voice of the strangers. And this parable spake Jesus unto them, but they understood not what the things were which he spake unto them. Then verse 7, Then said Jesus unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. You get it? All that came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in out and find pasture. And the thief cometh not for it, but to steal and to kill and to destroy. And I have come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. A little different in, the, uh, in Israel, how they take care of sheep compared to what they do in England. In England, they have dogs or they use a staff and they, they lead them out. I mean, they, they, they drive them. But in, in Jerusalem, the shepherd always led them. And they would know his voice. And the shepherd would come to the door. There'd be multiple sheep and different herds or flocks in the sheepfold, which is a large encampment, high walls, and, a, and one door, and only one. And the other sides were two. Here in this door, there would be a porter 
or a person would stay there and protect all those sheep. Shepherd would come in the morning and the shepherd would take and call the sheep by their names. And they would come to the door. And the one that the porter there at the door would let them out because he knew that if there was a stranger that would call, they would scatter and go away. But the sheep would come through the door and then the shepherd would lead them out for that destination for that day. You know, the Bible says all we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to our own way. But the Lord has laid on Christ the iniquity of us all. Here in this passage, the Lord Jesus Christ gave them instructions. The first image is the door to the sheepfold. And he says, verily, verily, in verse, uh, down here in verses 1 to 10, verily, verily, I say, he that doth not enter in, by way of the door is a thief or a robber. And he was actually using that to describe those brethren there, those Jewish brethren in John chapter 9 that kept asking this one that was born blind, but yet he could see it now see. It's the one thing that I know, I, I was blind, but now I can see it. They couldn't hear him and they couldn't understand. And therefore, they were more blind than the man that was born from his birth. And they were more deaf than the ones that Christ healed that could not hear. A stranger will they not answer. They'll scatter, the scripture says. There's a story in England that uh, there was an evangelist preaching the gospel in the country area. He stayed with this shepherd. and The shepherd says, come on out to the pasture here. And he came out with him and the, and the, and the shepherd called the sheep. He says, no, they're coming because they know my voice. When they get about halfway there, you call them. And so the evangelist says, okay, he called the sheep. And all of a sudden, they're going all over the place. They didn't understand that voice. And Jesus was trying to give them an illustration. And the evangelist learned that illustration firsthand. And finally, the shepherd would say, come. And the sheep came, and he was able to pet the sheep and all. Sheep are very strange people. I can remember in England going to work every day. I'd go by this pasture and I'd see the sheep lining up, going to another pasture. And yet there'd be that one that would be out, sticking his head out the fence, eating that grape. Think it was greener on the other side and not following the rest of the flock. I call that the Larry sheep, the lamb, when I speak to the kids. I tell him a little story about how Larry desired the grass outside and not to follow the sheep and the shepherd. But here in this passage, he interprets to them in verses 6 to 7. He has patience with them. He says, I'm the door. I am the door, he says plainly. And all that came before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If any man enter in, he shall be saved. And shall go in and out and find green pastures. Jesus is the only door. He's the only way to enter into eternal life. The thieves and robbers, they were the religious people in John chapter 9, whose ears were they couldn't hear and their eyes they couldn't see. 
But in contrast, Jesus offers his sheep who hears him security and nourishment. Rather than abusing the sheep and all, like the Pharisees wanted to do, he's willing to sacrifice himself for their good. Which brings up verses 11 to 15 of John chapter 10. I am the good shepherd. I give my life for the sheep. And he says the hireling is not a shepherd. He's not an owner of the sheep. Behold, the wolf comes and the hireling just leaves. He gets away. He's afraid of the wolf and doesn't protect the sheep, even though he is paid to do so. He's just not like the owner or the shepherd of the sheep. In verses 11 to 15, we have him saying, I am the good shepherd. I know my own. They know me. Even as the Father knows me, I and the Father know. I lay down my life for the sheep. There's some I am's in the Gospel of John. Besides these two that are mentioned in chapter 10, I am the door and I am the shepherd, the good shepherd, the protector, the security one, one for security and of the sheep. And I am the door, the opportunity for salvation. In John chapter 6, verse 48, It says the bread of life, which speaks of provision, the provision of God. In John chapter 8, verse 12, we have the light of the world, guidance to God. And in John chapter 10, we have those two that were mentioned, the door and the good shepherd. In chapter 11 of John's gospel, we have the resurrection and the life. That's hope and power from above. And in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth. And the life, no man cometh unto the Father, but by me. The I am, the only way, the the spoken promise and eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And the final one, the seventh one, main one mentioned in John's gospel. There's some other I am, but not as well known as these seven. The true vine, the sustainer of life. But looking down here in in concerning the shepherd in verse 11 of chapter 10. I am the good shepherd that giveth his life for the sheep. There are four other, three other mentions of the shepherd in the scriptures. And one is First John chapter 2, verse 24 to 25. I don't really want to turn to that or not, but I have it written down here in front of me. I'll just read it. Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree that we being dead to sins should live under righteousness by whose stripes you're healed. For ye were a sheep going astray, but you returned unto the shepherd and overseer every soul. So we have the good shepherd. We have the shepherd. And in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 20 to 21, we have the great shepherd. Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead that great shepherd, of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well pleasing in the sight, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. And the final one mentioned in the New Testament is the chief shepherd in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 4. When the chief shepherd shall appear, you shall receive a crown of glory. 
Have faith is not a way by being an example unto others. That last one is the great shepherd is talking about a crown for those that are overseers and that are under shepherds to the flock. We will reward, get a reward of a crown. In John chapter 10, verse 16 to 18, we have another little portion here. And it's the revelation that Jesus' care extends beyond that flock of Israel. He says, I have another flock, and it's not this fold. They'll hear my voice, and they'll become one flock and one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loved, loves me, because I lay down my life, and I might take it again. No man takes my life, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to raise it up again. Here we have the Lord Jesus Christ saying that he has power to lay down his life, and he has power to raise it up again. He said that commandment in verses 16 to 18, this commandment have I received of my Father. There are two distinct groups mentioned in chapter 10. One is the Israelites, those that have believed in Messiah, not the national Israel as a nation being that flock, but Israel individually believing in Christ as the great Messiah. They became that flock individually. But now we have another flock of sheep, and that would be the Gentile believers. They become one fold, but only through the sacrificial death of our Lord Jesus Christ. In Galatians 3.28, it says there is neither Jew nor Greek nor Gentile. They're all one in Christ Jesus. Another passage is in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13 to 16. But now, and I'll read those verses, but now in Christ Jesus, you sometimes were far off or made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace, who hath broken down that middle wall of partition and has made us both one. Verse 15, having abolished while in the flesh to make in himself of twain one new man, making peace, in verse 16, that he may reconcile both unto God in one body through the cross by Calvary's work. The story of this good shepherd was not that he was a victim, but that he was a victor and that he was in control. He laid down, voluntarily laid his life down and raising it up again by his power. You see, Pilate tried to intimidate him. Pilate tried to say, well, I have power to release you or not. And Peter, he tried to defend the Lord Jesus Christ there in the garden. He used a sword. Yes, but Jesus' death was voluntary. He could have called 12 legions of angels. He told Pilate, he said, Pilate, you have no authority over me unless it were given to you from above. We, the other sheep, have come into the fold because the story of the shepherd of his love for his sheep. 
So we are that other fold that have come in and they are one, one sheep, one group, and that's it. In verses 19 to 21, we have the reaction of what the Jews said in John chapter 10. The reaction of the Jews is that some hated Jesus and they thought he was satanic of Satan, of Beelzebub. But others were uncommitted. They, they, they opened, they said, how can the devil open the eyes of the blind? And then they ended up in verses 22 to 23 on Solomon's porch. That majestic porch that had these 40-foot pillars and the roof over their head where the, the disciples in, in Acts chapter 3 and Acts chapter 5, they gathered there in the presence of those other people watching them have the breaking of bread even there, there at the table. But, and also the place where the rabbis would walk with their students and, and teach them things from the Old Testament that they knew not the author of the Old Testament. This dialogue finally comes in verses uh, 24 to 26. His identity comes, his question of his identity comes again. They wanted to know right now, if you're the Christ, don't give us any, any parables or anything like that. And here's what Jesus said. I told you already, but you do not believe. And he continues to say, if you be the Christ, tell us plainly. And Jesus says, I've told you. And the works that I do, my father of my father, are that they are my father's works. So you did not believe them. You would not hear. You would not believe. And finally, he says, you're not my sheep. Wow. I'm not a sheep. They didn't care to be a sheep, I guess. But you're not my sheep. They bear witness of me. But you don't believe. You don't hear. The followers of Christ always hear him. In verses 27 to 30, the dialogue continues. Jesus said in verses 27 to 30, my sheep hear my voice. They're very attentive. They listen attentively for the, the voice of the Savior, of the shepherd. I know them. What a relationship that is that he has with them. And they follow me. They're obedient followers. I give unto them eternal life. It's a great possession. And then a great promise is they all shall never perish. No one shall snatch them out of my hand. That's great security. And no man can snatch them out of my father's hand. That's double security. My father which gave them me is greater than all. What a source of this wonderful thing we have concerning being his sheep. We as believers have these qualities also. And I ask you, are you attentive? When you read the word of God, when you pray in the spirit of God to him at home, are you attentive? Are you listening to what you're reading or are you just reading it? 
obedient to his voice? Are you following him as a believer? In James, it says, in chapter 1, verse 22, it says, be doers of the word, not just hearers. And then believers, are you confident in our destiny? If you follow him, he will take you to the destiny, which is heaven. Are you secure in your relationship with Christ? If not, read this passage. I give unto them eternal life. They shall never perish. I and my Father, no one shall take them out of my hands. Not even Satan can take them out of your hands. You know, for those that don't believe in eternal security, they use this verse and they say, you can take yourself out of the Father's hand. I'd like to see you try it. <laughs> you can't. Not even Satan can take you out. It's a poor excuse. In Psalm 22, verse 30 to 31, I'm going to read this. <clears throat> a seed shall serve him. It shall be accounted to the Lord for a generation. They shall come and shall declare his righteousness unto a people who shall be born or born again, that he, was, he has done this. It is finished. That's the confidence we have. When Christ said it is finished, I believe it, and that settles it for me. It takes us to the idea that he is our shepherd. And if you want to turn to Psalm 23, you can. If not, just listen up. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. What a shepherd we have in Christ. I shall not want. I, I'm content. I don't need anything but the Savior. That's our attitude that we should have. I shall not want. Verse 2, he, he causes me to lie down in green pastures. You know, there's three things about a sheep. I'll see whether I can remember them. That they won't lie down unless there's a peace amongst the whole flock. If there's any, any sheep that are quabbling back and forth and not behaving or stuff, they won't lie down either. There's some that uh, won't lie down. I can't think of the other two, two at this time, but you'll have to look it up sometime. By, it was written by Philip Keller. Uh, a shepherd looks at Psalm 23. We got it back in 19... 72 or something like that. We found that book and I read about it, read it and it's really nice. It goes through each step and tells how the sheep, if they are not, if they're hungry, they won't lay down either. And that's a good thing too, I guess. They, won't, they lay down by the green pastures. Verse 2b, he leadeth me beside the still waters. It's great guidance and great peace. Verse 3, he restores my soul. It's restoration he gives us. In verse 3, B, he leadeth me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Great guidance into this righteousness that he provides. Verse 4, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. As companionship with Christ and knowing that you're protected. You will walk through this valley of death 
and you'll fear no evil because God is with me. That's a promise of God to be forever with us, never leave us nor forsake us. The rod and staff, they comfort me. That's good consolation, that rod to protect them from the animals around that come and kill them. The rod and then the staff, to if they fall over the cliff or something or they fall down somewhere, they can pick up that sheep and, and bring them safely home, put them upon their shoulders. In Psalm 23, verse 5, it says, Thou prepares a table before me, fellowship of light. And in the presence of my enemies, darkness all around, there's no fear. I'll notice my head with oil. <clears throat> Thoughts of the Spirit of God within our mind would be that. My cup runneth over. That's worship. We had that this morning. We should worship throughout the whole week, remembering and thanking God for everything he has. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Showers of blessing. Oh, there should be showers of blessing to look to. And the last part of Psalm 23, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Promise of eternal happiness with the shepherd. We already sang the shepherd of love. You knew I have lost my way. Shepherd of love, you cared that I'd gone astray. Shepherd of love, Savior and Lord and guide. Shepherd of love forever. I'll stand by your side. In verses 31 to the end are questions concerning his identity. It's settled in the Lord's mind that he told them everything. But in verse 33, it says, for good work, we don't stone you. So they believed that he did good works. They said it in of themselves. But because you're man and you make yourself, you say you're the son of God, which makes you equal with God, they did not believe in him. In other words, John 1, verse 11, he came unto his own. His own received him not. And then here we have in verses 34 to 36, the Lord speaks. We find an unusual Old Testament justification of the sonship of Christ. In Psalm 82, verse 6, it's a picture of a court of law where God has assembled all the judges of the earth together to warn them that they will one day be judged. He called them Elohim. They called him God or judge. And they shall not judge, and shall not the judge of all this earth do right. But in Psalm 82, God called these earthly judges together. And he called them gods. So if he called them gods, why can't the Lord Jesus Christ have that title as God or as judge? In John 10:36, whom the Father has sanctified and sent into the world, thou blasphemest, because I said, I am the son of God. If I do not the works of my father, then don't believe me. What you just said, he did the good works of his father. Examine the evidence of the miracles, he says, and they refused. They were more blind than the man in John chapter 9. I was blind from his birth. 
They were blind, leading the blind. They wanted to kill him. But Jesus made his way away from them. And as he went, he went to the place where John the Baptist went a lot of times, baptizing many. And they said an unusual thing as they heard him there by the river of Jordan. And they said, this man, John, he didn't do any miracle. But everything that he said about this man, Jesus, is true. All of it. He, he's the door, an opportunity to enter. He's a good shepherd. He is the son of God, having the authority to give eternal life. And if you believe not that I am, you will die in your sins. <clears throat> will you die in your sins? If you're out there in Radio Land, if you're not saved, you're listening to this, will you die in your sins? You don't have to because Christ died for our sins and was buried and he rose again the third day. Many resorted unto the Lord Jesus at the end of this chapter. And many believed in him there. Doesn't say they believed there <coughs> with the Pharisees. So we're going to close with the idea that in the first 10 verses, we have the door to enter into salvation and safety. In verses 11 to 21, we have the shepherd who leads and protects and would die for the sheep, which he did at Calvary. In verses 22 to 42, we have the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me, co-equal with God the Father. He became flesh and dwelt among us to be the sacrifice for us, for our sins. <clears throat> Here's an old hymn. Charlie reminded us, it's been a while since we heard this one. Oh, what a Savior that he died for me. From condemnation he has made me free. He that believeth on the Son, saith he, hath everlasting life. Verily, verily, I say unto you, message ever true, message ever new. He that believeth on the Son, tis true, hath everlasting life. I hope that this meditation on the shepherd of the sheep gets you interested in looking into the Gospel of John, there's other shepherds. There are bad shepherds in Ezekiel to read of. And there are some good shepherds that we read of in the scriptures. Let us pray. Father, we give thee thanks in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for this great shepherd, this chief shepherd, the good shepherd, the shepherd and bishop of our soul. This is the one that we praise and adore. He became a door for us that we might enter in. He's a shepherd that layeth his, down for, his life down for the sheep. And yet he is also the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. This is our beloved. This is our friend. This is the one that we praise today. And trust our Father, you'll bless us as we study and meditate on this shepherd of love. He knew that we needed him. He came. He called us by name. We believed and heard his voice. We followed him down here on this earth. And as we go away, might we go in the strength of knowing that the Lord is my shepherd. I'm not going to need anything but him. 
and him alone. And we pray for those that are going through sicknesses. We think of the little girl in Michigan, Hanez, five years old, tumor taken out, but not all of it yet. And another girl in Michigan, 11 years old with a tumor. Father, we trust you might find a solution up there on what that might be. And Lord, we pray for the two ladies that came and for the children that are probably abandoned because mother's in jail. Commit them into thy hands. Trust, Lord, that we might, others might see Jesus in us. And we may not only hear the word, but be doers and showers of the word. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.